0: Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast, episode 48. My name is Paul Mann and this week we'll be talking about uh, two games, Wigan and Leeds. Both of them kind of slightly promising uh, displays, no goals, which is uh, something we've been able to do before, but this time... We've managed to put in two good performances, I think, and managed to lose one, but still okay. To help me talk about this week, I've been joined by Christopher Lash from uh, Right Bank Warsaw. You've probably seen some of his tweets about the
1: Polish league. Hello, Chris. Uh, hi. Yeah, nice to speak to you all. Reading. <laughs> yeah. Reading. I'm normally talking about Polish football, so. You are, nice yeah, to you are normally
0: Red.
2: talking about Polish football. Yeah, yeah. I like
1: to talk about Reading, so it's good, so, you know. Yeah. That's
2: probably one of the most muted and measured introductions to the podcast I've ever heard. So, yeah, but I like that. I like that. That's good. <laughs> That's fun. good. You see, he's, he's starting off
0: like that, but it's just going to build, isn't it? You know, <laughs> he'll be dominating very soon. Yeah. And uh, also, you may have heard the dulcet tones of uh, Mr. Jacob South Klein there
2: as well. Hello, Jacob. Hello, all the way from South Wales. Yes, yes. How is it there? How's the weather? Um, it's, it's well, as predictably welsh as you can imagine very wet very <laughs> sheep roman streets blood everywhere no <laughs> no i'm, I'm doing That's fine. nice it's, yeah uh, it's nice to be back in familiar climes on the elm park rules podcast so thanks for having me paul oh, that was some brilliant bit of kind of in-house advertising there <laughs> thank you <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was really good all that and you're not even getting paid it's beautiful know, <laughs> so First of all, let's go back to the Wigan wigging game. Wigan can't even speak now. Back to the Wigan game. And we made four changes for that. We brought in uh, Gunter, Swift, Aluko, and uh, Gareth McCleary. Well, um, I've got to say straight away, as I soon saw uh, uh, Sonia Aluko's name on the team sheet, that did slightly send a shiver through my body. Um, it's been particularly poor this season. What did you think when you saw that, Jacob?
2: Um, those two changes to the right-hand side did kind of fill me with dread a bit um, because it's been an interesting week for Gunter. Um, I always try and stay quite measured and um, and uh, sensible when it comes to talking about Chris Gunter on the internet, which is a sport in its own right, isn't it? <laughs> it is He's um, I mean, yeah. been widely discussed, not just on Reading Twitter this week, but also... Um, football in the football media at large for him yeah, making the Welsh Caps record, that was last week um, particularly interesting listening to native Welsh people um, and their response to that they can't quite believe he's done it either um, but then going back to the bread and butter of him playing in this Reading team and it's the same old Chris Gunter really um, in isolation I wouldn't have so much of an issue with it but given the fact they had Aluko up the pitch to cover him as well the whole of that right hand side for me um, made me worry when, when I initially saw the team sheet. Um, I think Tim Della summed it up best on Radio Bucks when he said that Aluko perfectly fine as a player as long as he doesn't have anyone within about 10 yards of him. It. Mm. <laughs> it's a bit of a concern, but I have to say that's a pretty fair assessment,
0: isn't it? Is that- on what we've seen this season anyway... Because we know that and we've been through this so many times. This is only a local podcast. could do just one on him, basically. Um, he oh. he has shown when he was at Fulham, he did have ability. There's no doubt on that. But he just drained of everything here. So, yeah, it just when I saw that, it was I was worried. And I thought we could go to the Wigan game and get. I didn't think it was impossible that we could get a win, but to come away with a draw and a clean sheet, I thought was. I thought more was more than OK. Some people felt quite negative about it. What did you think about it, Chris, just the result alone?
1: You know, it's funny because, you know, I'm following the championship but not incredibly closely. And I, um, Wigan, I thought Wigan were like about sixth. And then I realised they've just they've plummeted massively. So I was thinking it was going to be a difficult game. And, I mean, I've, Wigan's got a really good home record. So I, I don't think you can really... Um, you know, argue with and and Neil, I mean, it's people. You know, people on Twitter get angry about everything, literally everything, not just about wedding, about any. You know, people just is a, a great um, way yeah, to vent don't. about stuff. Um, and um, it's a draw. It's a clean sheet. I don't see how people can complain about that. Okay, maybe we could have got a win uh, because they're on bad form, but I think it's fine. I think it's fine. It's a good result, personally.
0: Twitter, yeah, definitely. Sorry, and Jicola, particularly. I think it's just yeah. such a great run of form.
2: Would yeah. you think? Yeah, on the, on the point that Chris brought up about, and you've touched on the Arcola as well, um, it was a clean sheet and we've only had two in yeah. the face of what is now 19 games a season, 18 games. Yeah. 19 now. Yeah. Um, yeah, after Leeds, it will be 19. Yeah, So that's astonishing, really. Two clean sheets in 19 and that was our second one. Um, so, I mean, you could take it as a positive. It's more of a damning indictment about the rest of our season up until now. Yeah. But, um, I was pleased to see Yarkola continuing goal. I don't think you can drop him on the form that he's in, uh, certainly against Wigan, and I know we're going to talk about Leeds later, but yeah. I thought yeah. it was, um, And I was pleased to see him still in the team in terms of the two defenders he had in front of him. I know John O'Shea was given a nod again against Wigan um, and there were question marks as to why Ilori was being kept out of the team when he was one of our better defenders at the start of the season. But it probably goes to show why I'm not the manager because we came away with a point and the clean sheet. So, you know. Yeah, no, it's, if you just look at it that in one game, it's okay. We haven't lost to a team that's quite near to us,
0: and that's vital, especially away from home. They haven't been able to move away. If we go there and we lose, it gets, it's definitely not great. But We've got players coming back, hopefully not too distant soon. And one of the players that has come back in, and I think he'll hopefully be able to start more and more games soon, is Gareth McCleary, because yeah. he created our one clear chance in the game for Yaku Meite. I mean, I say clear chance, he was hardly a sitter. But, you know, it's kind of, if, you, if, you're, if you're a striker playing for Reading at the moment in the last two games, you haven't really been getting many chances so it'd be hard to criticise him for that. But I think McCleary, when he's come back, I think he's looked back to almost his best form that he's had in Reading in some ways in brief periods because he, he's taking on players, he's going past them. You know, he just want his fitness to come back and I think it would be a key player to have in the team. I mean, I'd have him, you know, we'd come on to the Leeds match, but Swift, I think he would replace him on that side for me.
1: The fascinating
0: thing about it.
2: McCleary is that everyone had, including me, everyone, myself included, had written him off as a spent force at this club. And he's been a very good servant for us. He's been here, what, going on six seasons now? Six years? We got promoted in 2012. Um, And no, like you say, he's come back into the team, having worked exceptionally hard to get back after a long time out. Um, And he has rejuvenated our wing play, I think. Um, He's filled the... Role that we expected Aluko would really when he signed for me. Um, I think McCleary being back is a real asset for us. Yeah, totally. I think he's.
1: I mean, start. if you think of the goals that I mean, I know um, he was fantastic three or four seasons ago, but the kind of the just the kind of dynamism, you know, and the fact that he can, you know, absolutely brilliant shot as well. Uh, scored some amazing goals with us, really, um, including that brilliant one against. Was it Burnley at the, end yeah. of the that? Oh, was just such a yeah. superb goal. QPR goal was... A couple of goals against QPR were just brilliant. Um, so, you know, for me, he's he's a completely... I mean, Aluko was good at Fulham, but he's, to me, he's just far better than Aluko. Just on every level, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, no, we will... Um, uh, uh, yeah, it's a kind of frustration because if you win that game, you go into the Leeds one with a little bit less pressure. But we move on to the Leeds match and... Uh, Overall, just as a kind of like looking, I was really worried about that match going into it. I thought we looked prime for a good beating from someone. If you look at the previous matches against, even even if you use the Ipswich match, a team that are not that good really, in the first half alone, I watched the game and you just, Ipswich could have easily had probably three or four goals in the first half and that would not have been unfair. And you yeah, think going to Leeds, that's a bit of a worry, but what did you think of the way that we set up in that game yesterday, Chris? I thought I thought we looked really good, solid-wise.
1: Yeah, I thought it was... I mean, you know, again, I haven't watched... I've watched not that many ga- games this season overall. I've watched a lot of highlights. But um, everyone seems to be saying that we, we, we make loads of changes and often the defensive organisation is really bad. Um, and you can see it on the goals that we've been conceding. But I think yesterday it looked really good. In fact, um, it was really solid. Uh, the two kind of... Um, playing two sort of defensive midfielders, um, Kelly and um, Bakuna, uh, I thought it, it looked really good. I, it, there was obviously a clear plan. And I think that that's been the main criticism is there hasn't been a much of a plan with Clement or that he's been changing the plan. You know, he's been changing it all the time, bringing players in and out. And uh, from all the comments on Twitter, but also from what I watched in the game, it, it looked like the kind of uh, setup that could gain us quite a few points away from home uh, in the league. And, and and And, you know, once you've, Discovered a good system, you'd hope that Clement would uh, continue with it because uh, it really did look good last night. It was solid. Leeds were really, um, you know, but okay. The big in the first half, Reading were played pretty well. Uh, Leeds had that good period after half time, but from about the seventieth minute onwards, Leeds looked really worried. Totally. Uh,
0: I mean, if you just talk about the first half, Jürgen didn't have a save. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You'd know, you say that's perfect because that's one thing that we've been saying all for the last year or so is our goalies have had to make multiple saves in every single match and not just any old saves, kind of brilliant saves when they're left completely stranded. So, I mean, even in the whole game, he probably only had two or three. He made an exceptional save from Kmart Roof in the second half. I mean, Jacola is one of the, if you'd put him alongside Mete for probably best player in the last month or so. What do
2: you think, Jacob? Well, what a turnaround that is, by the way, how we're calling Anzi Yarko one of our best players. I'm mm-hmm. delighted for him. I don't mean that in a jokey way. I really do. Yeah. It's amazing how he's turned it around. Um, you, I think I'm going to say this. You mentioned how at the end of last year, Paul, when um, Paul McShane was buying drinks for people uh, in an unnamed establishment in Reading, um, he was there and he, he mentioned to you how much he wanted to stake a claim to a spot and to stay on at the club and he's done yeah that.
0: totally I mean I, I was with uh, Anzi and um, uh, his girlfriend wife I'm not sure I don't claim to uh, know the full details of their relationship but he absolutely loved being at Reading yeah. 100% he just was desperate to get another year's contract and uh, talked to him about that and he was just it, just the environment of playing in the championship and being at a club like Reading was just huge to him. Yeah, and I'm, He's really nice. Just from when I met him, he was just a really nice person. So, you know, you wish people like that all the best, really. I mean, I'm I i I'm with you as well in saying that last season, I wasn't convinced that he was going to be a good goalkeeper for us. But so far, it's, he's proven me totally wrong. So, brilliant. That's <laughs> exactly what you want.
2: One of the things that's impressed me about this Reading squad recently is that the players who on paper shouldn't be our strongest assets are now coming into their own as some of our strongest assets. You look at the likes of Yarkola, um, Rinham hotter uh, even Bakuna had a little spell where he was brought in really as a squad asset and he was one of our best players for a little while. Mateys come out of nowhere again yeah. after a very good loan in France. And slowly but surely, it looks like unexpected names are filling important roles for us, which is yeah, great. Yeah, I'd throw in Tyler Blackett as well.
0: Yes, yeah. I think he's improved a lot this season. And I think that's... For last night, I, personally, I felt Chris Gunter... I mean, like you said earlier, there's there's a real Chris Gunter. You either have to love him or you have to despise him. I mean, neither of those camps. I'm kind of...
1: I'm kind of in the middle as well. Yeah, dude.
0: exactly. I'm not in that group. I'm in the middle. I'm kind of...
1: I don't understand that just the pure, you know, you know almost a hatred on Twitter about him. It's like... To me, he's just like a relatively function, you know, serviceable, okay, fullback, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. who tries his hardest. Okay. I th- yeah, yeah. I, I think the problem is he's just been there for too long. You know, he's been at Reading for too long, so people get a bit just like, okay, it's the same old thing. You know, you know, sometimes you need to to move on. It's not. I don't think it's because he's a particularly bad player. In in, in you know, and you know, you don't get ninety three Wales caps for, Well, Wales are not amazing, but still. <laughs> Not a bad international
0: no, you know,
1: team. Not
2: now, recently, so. no. Yeah. No, it's it's. Uh, sorry, you go on, Jacob. Sorry. The interesting thing is, usually, the longer a player stays at a club, the more people warm to him over time. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and but he is, It's extremes.
0: It's extremes. Constantly with Chris Gunter, as I was saying, is the love. I think the dislike is too much, mm. and I think the love for him is because of the dislike. It's yeah. kind of like he's gone one way. It's it's just oh, it's so hard to find it. for me, he was six, seven out of ten every week for reading. I would say in the championship, which is okay. I would say this season, when I've seen him, he's dropped down to a five. Yeah, five. I would say five. I mean, last night he just most of the issues that were coming from Leeds were coming down his side. Oh, I will add in that Swift was on that side as well, and he was getting <laughs> no support. So let's let's not make it all to be Chris Gunter's fault. But there was an incident in the first half when he did his uh, kind of almost famous dive to get a free kick when he was in trouble. And the ref went, no, 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 that's handball against you, Chris. <laughs> no, that's, that's, we're not going to fall for that one.
2: wasn't and then, the most blatant handball of the night. Of his oh, oh. <laughs> that was, was incredible. That
1: was bizarre. <laughs> that, that was, was probably- Oh, like I saw the replay. Our I... as well. Yeah, it was very strange. Was it? It was it right on the line. It was right. I don't think I've ever seen a handball right on the okay. you know the goal line. It was yeah. really bizarre. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If you're uh, gonna do it, make it a new kind of style. Just just go like that. <laughs> just push it away. For the people listening, that was me doing a motion that you can't see. <laughs> so yeah, no, it was it was quite unusual to see. Yeah. Uh, He's just getting caught out of position in the first minute or so. He's getting dragged across into the centre too much. And you think, because you're an experienced player. I understand you're kind of trying to cover a space, and I get that, but it was slightly frustrating that he just doesn't seem to learn from that. And I'm not saying that Tyler Blackett is the next Paolo Maldini, because I really don't think he is. But I think he's a little bit better where, than where Chris Gunter is at the moment. Do you think that's fair? Well. Or-
1: I think. He's, I mean, I'm, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Um, I, he
2: for me, um, he's our established left back now. And mm-hmm. I know for ages we were saying he's not a left back, Tyler it, but in Obita's absence, I think he's our first choice left back. And weirdly, um, he was left out last night. But you know, hey, sorry, you go on, Chris. Um, I
1: no, I, just, I, I wanted to quickly just give a bit of praise for Leeds because I think we've, you know. They moved the ball around so quickly, I and mean, that's I mean, obviously, they, they actually gone to some pretty good positions, Leeds, and and then just messed up really st- stupidly, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I think that was part yes. of the reason why they didn't have as many shots on goal was they were making sort of mistakes around our box. Um, and they were broke, Break. there was one thing when they broke through on goal, and there was a really bad pass, I think, made and stuff. And I think that Le- the way Leeds play. Uh, it's very dynamic. There's a lot of movement. And I think that, that is, it's very difficult for full backs to, uh, to deal with. I think Yadam actually had some problems as well. Although he he's obviously playing better than Gunter. But um, I would say both of the full backs were having problems just because the way Leeds play. It's really, there's so much movement. and uh, Yeah, no, Leeds
0: are like a good team. This is what, yeah, I think Leeds would be top six quite comfortably this season. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think we hit Leeds last night on their best performance, like you say, Chris. I think there was opportunities that they had, like the breakaway one, when he just didn't pass the ball to maybe Alioski, maybe. I mean, yeah, talking about Alioski, that dive in the first yeah. half, when uh, Elori kind of was allegedly brought him down, you think, wow, you, you, need, you need to practice that in training.
2: I mean, this is for Leeds fans listening.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I know, I'm, can't pretend to be a massive Leeds fan. He was... He was- as well Alioski on Leeds Twitter because we know like the pulsating hive mind that Leeds Twitter can be a bit uh, you know. A <laughs> it's board. a community of love Jacob. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> uh, they were just absolutely slating their own players saying that's embarrassing how can you die like that and yeah it really was not a very convincing routine he tried to pull. There are a few odd moments like that in the game I found. Um, yeah. We've already talked about Gunter's handball weird fly-swatting motion at the end of the game.
1: <laughs> no one And
2: just dive and just, yeah, it's very strange. Like vintage cheese, Tuesday night action. It was, you know, and we I got th- to see it. So that was beautiful, wasn't it? <laughs> but,
1: but, but, but I thought that was quite a good, uh, you know, um, you know, flow to the game. Uh, and, you know, it was played at quite a fast pace. And, and you know, what, what I was really impressed with was... Um, we won the ball back from Leeds in quite difficult areas a lot, and from mm-hmm. what I've been seeing of the highlights, it seems like we sort of uh, we sort of almost part like the Red Sea, you know, when a, a team attack us. And today, our, our sorry, last night, our kind of midfield was quite solid and was was winning the ball back a lot. I don't know the statistics, but it, it looked like. Um, we were making um, some really good interceptions and stuff, and it, it, it looked it looked good. I was impressed, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, some of that's got to go down to Rinomoto, 100%, yeah. because he, I thought he was, that's the best performance I've seen in central midfield for quite a while, because he was not just, he was kind of generating that, because he wasn't passive in midfield, exactly what you were saying, Chris, he was trying to. Get the ball back when Leeds had it. Closed them down, and when he had the ball, he was trying to go forwards. Yeah. Which you know, it sounds incredibly basic, but <laughs> if you haven't had a player who's done that, it makes a huge difference. And he wasn't giving the ball away all the time when he had the ball. And and if you put that with Bakuna, I thought Bakuna played quite well as well. You all of a sudden you had a midfield that was generating a little bit of energy, and the team wasn't getting exposed as much at the back. I mean, you know, am I being too
2: kind of overexcited by no, You have Uh, a right to be excited by that, Paul, because so often on this podcast and in general around the fan base, we've been saying that a lot of the problems we have can be attributed to our midfield and how flaky it is, like you were saying, how it usually parts like the Red Sea. Um, I think that coupled with the individually good midfield performances last night from the likes of Renham Hotter. I think the formation change helped as well. Because what we lost in width, it meant we had four quite capable-ish midfielders. I'm trying to um, i started to say that they were capable and then I realised <laughs> that Kelly and- <laughs> I know what you're saying though. We weren't having players who were dedicated wingers. Absolutely. Yeah. We were flooding it. Yeah. I think what we lost lost in width, we gained in in that. And I think it meant that Rinamotzer was in a position to do his best, especially given that we were playing two quite dynamic and fast men up top. I mean, mate he's been in good form anyway and we know he's energetic enough and a good target man, weirdly. And that was the perfect environment for Loader to come into as well, for me. I think it would have been unfair to stick Loader up top on his own, uh, but I did think he deserved to start up. So what better to do than to start him up top with, with mate And I thought he had an all right game, really.
0: Yeah, fact, no, I, I did as well. Now, I thought in the first half, he was pretty decent up until maybe... Well, we were knocked out of the game for the first 15 minutes by Leeds because Leeds were actually excellent in the first 15 minutes after the second half. They were, mm. it, they were, We couldn't really get out of our half. half. So. But I, I thought he showed some nice touches. Yet again, another player who wanted to move forward with the ball, and that makes such a huge difference when you've got that player in the team and with a little bit of pace. He didn't look intimidated by any of the players or the environment seemed absolutely fine with it and I've been saying for a while that they should bring him into the team because the other options at the moment are not pulling up any trees, if you look at someone like Bulldog I think, I'm not seeing anything there, you see a massive drop up compared to Bulldog at the moment, obviously John Bradford is a completely different type of player, but he won't be playing for a while, but I think I think Loder should start again on Saturday. It does worry me with a the Clement. They have a big transformation and change everything. But I think he should stick with that framework, make a couple of changes maybe. But what did you think of Loda, Chris?
1: I, I didn't think the strikers were that good last night, I have to say. I mean, they were all right. You know, it's good that you've got a young guy coming through like Loder, and I really want him to do well. And there was that chance. Was it, was it when he hit the ball and hit Mayteh? That was yes. the, the big yeah. chance he That's had. It. Yeah, but but I, I thought that the most impressive thing last night really was the defensive setup. And well, the full-backs weren't that great, but the centre backs were very good. I thought, and I thought the me, midfield, especially, yeah. yeah, and the midfield was really good. I thought the midfield was really solid. And I think that when you're playing that kind of a way, which is clearly a counterattacking thing, to sit relatively deep mm. and try to sort of soak up what Leeds were doing, the strikers are not going to have much of a chance, uh, and they. Didn't. I thought Matee was pretty He really wasn't in the game Matee no, that was not um, a great
0: thing for Matee no no yeah. he
1: didn't Yeah I, I wouldn't say it, it's his it's his fault or Loader's fault I think that the way the team was organized meant that the strikers didn't really were never going to get very much um but if you look at the end of the game when Sims and uh McCleary came on and we we played more wide I thought it looked better actually going forward there was more um there was more penetration. There were some really nice balls being played by McCleary and also by uh, Sims. Um, and uh, for me, it was no surprise that, you know, we started to look better going forward. And, you know, we got a penalty because of because of that, because of Sims' run, you know. Sims
2: won the penalty. Yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah, again, he did exactly the
0: same uh, Tastainville away, didn't he? And then Sam Baldock stepped up to uh, score <laughs> his first goal. And then McNulty uh, attempted to do exactly the same thing. And... I don't know. I, I was watching that and I was thinking, I'm not confident that you're going to score at all, but I hope I hope you do
2: because uh, it'd make me quite happy. <laughs> but it just... Yeah. yeah it's just... one, though, because even though McNulty obviously is a player that's low on confidence, presumably, has been low on chances that he's been given in the team, he's been featuring off the bench, if at all. Um, so... On that basis, maybe it wasn't such a wise decision to give it to him. But credit to him for attempting it, yeah, and it's youngers totally. to step up. But also, I'm not sure there were many other players on the pitch at the time that would have taken it or could have taken it. I think it would have been unfair to give it to Loder. How do you think? Because yeah. uh, he, I mean, that was a confidence destroyer if he misses that. Um Bakuna, I know, is taking penalties for us before, but am I right thinking he's missed one? Or I think, I think yeah, he, must... I think he did last season. Yes,
1: yeah,
2: but,
0: yeah. But he has scored some as well. But yeah, I know people were saying Bakuna should have taken the penalty, and I can kind of see that. But Clement said after the match, which you kind of agree with, if a player goes up to the ball and wants it straight away and he's feeling confident, I, I don't think there's any problem with that. He's a striker as well, and we've seen, as I just said earlier in the season. You can score a penalty if you haven't scored a goal all season. It's not impossible. But, yeah. Did it wasn't you, a bad penalty, though. I didn't feel didn't, it was a terrible penalty.
1: Didn't Clement say that basically Swift and Kelly are the two penalty takers? So, basically, yes. whoever, whoever grabbed the ball was going to take it. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, can't, you can't really criticise them for taking it. I mean, you saw Bakuna when you watched it on TV. You could see he couldn't even face the uh, look at it. He was turned with his back to it. And he's uh, kind of praying and hoping. And then he hears the crowd reaction and he, he's thinking, yeah. oh, fuck, this hasn't gone well. <laughs> it's like,
2: this has gone bad. Which but, was, uh, yeah. His father, by the way, uh, Jimmy McNulty, he's very active on Reading Twitter, willing mm. uh, <laughs> his son on every week. And uh, like you so aptly put there, all his yeah. examples were, yeah.
0: No, that's, I mean, you see that the other side of it when you see the family have to watch it and stuff. That's kind of, He feels the pain of that, doesn't he? Yeah, I felt the pain for him as well, missing it. Because everyone, people go, oh, you know, he's an idiot for missing it. Much worse than that, obviously. And you think, but God, he's got to live with that now. And if if you look at someone like Liam Moore, he obviously missed quite a famous penalty for us. Uh... He didn't even get it on target. (laughs) You know, so at least it was on target and created a decent save. But I don't know. You need those moments to kind of turn it around because the momentum is just not with us at the moment at all. We need something, that big result, and a draw last night would have been huge for us.
2: It's, uh, it's irritating because we were unbeaten three, I think I'm right in saying, as yeah. of Wigan. Um, and I know we weren't feeling particularly confident performance-wise around that time, when we were on that little run, if you can call it a run, but it's about momentum. And now that our chief executive is left with all the press and comment that that's attracted, um, and given that there were shoots of improvement, no matter how small on the pitch last night, maybe now is the time. And I know we've had so many false dawns, but maybe now is a time when we can actually start to rebuild a bit. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully, if he sticks to this kind of formula, I mean, we all know
0: that if it red and if you play academy players like most teams, they're going to get a little bit more time, aren't they? That's yeah. always the way. So, as a manager, it's kind of a good ploy <laughs> sometimes. Yeah throw some in. I'm not being cynical, but the ones that are coming in are actually doing okay. Yeah, Danny Loder didn't pull up any trees last night. He wasn't sensational. Let's not build him up. But I think there's something there that's worth maybe staying with, Mm -hmm. persevering with, that's a better word. And, I don't know, Rinomoto was excellent, and he's definitely going to play. So... You know, you you want to see these players come in, and Kelly did okay. I felt in a slightly deeper role, which he always does. He's not that player who should be up the pitch. You kind of think he should be, because technically he can be a good player sometimes. But he just, he doesn't really, he's much better in that deeper role. So last night, he kind of thrived in that situation, playing nice, simple passes. But, yeah, it's a kind of...
1: I I, I think if McCleary is back and he's fit then to be honest, Aluko shouldn't be getting in and neither should Swift, really. I yeah. think that I don't you know. OK, McCleary is a winger, but I think that he can also play in that kind of pocket behind the front, too. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I would, you know, I'd, I'd be I'd be playing McCleary. Um, you know, obviously, it's kind of I've liked him over the years, but I think also he, 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 he really does. Um, he's got quite a good eye for a pass. Um, he's got a great shot, and you know he's just an exciting player. Um, and you know Aluko's head is just—he's—he's he's so. It's not only that he's playing badly; he—he he looks so underconfident. Every time he gets it, it's like, oh, I've got to do something with it. And it's you know terrible crosses, awful little passes. It's just—it's just awful. I mean, you know people criticise Gunter, but for me, his his level is way way better than Aluko. Oh um,
0: God, yeah, totally. Hundred percent agree on that.
1: Certain yeah. level of performance, whereas Aluko is looking awful. You know.
0: Yeah, no, yes, and like you say, it's as much of a mental issue now for him as anything. If he gets a move somewhere else, yeah, he could well do well for them. He just he's got to hit the ground running somewhere else. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't see him leaving. Mm. Maybe they could loan him out somewhere, but I'm not sure where
2: he'd end up at the moment. But on it, that note, yeah. with January coming up. I'm even though we're just off the back of a loss I'm feeling quite optimistic going into Christmas and January because we've we've got players that are going to be coming back from injury I know Ezra is due back in the new year I thought he was impressive in the couple of games he had for us before he got crocked. um I think him in the holding role in the midfield when you've got Rinham hotter in there too is a good spine to have and yep. they're Chuck in Bakuna or Kelly and then all of a sudden you've got options. McCleary coming back to real asset. We've got January to ship people out, as well as maybe get in one or two quality signs as opposed to five or six sideways moves as has been kind of the focus over the last few windows. Um I don't know. I, I know our position is still dire because it is it's terrible. But um I think I think we there we have the ability to start to make moves now um, my faith in clement has been semi restored a bit in the last week or so in that he's doing things to ch- to shake it up as much as he can i think um, i know but, we've- not,
1: but not but not in a stupid way because it seems like you know <laughs> some of the changes have been like you know kind of not particularly clear or rational Mm. Whereas, again, last night, I think that's part of the reason why there's such positivity in general, even though it was a loss. I don't think the result makes that much difference, is that it really looked like, you know, I've watched so many games, you know, over the last couple of years where you just watch, it just this kind of sinking feeling as yeah. the match is going on that this is, this is not going to work. Uh, we're just sort of clinging on partly via a combination of luck or not particularly, I don't know, the other team not working out that we're bad it's well, not
0: tactical genius is it yeah. no Whereas no. last
1: night last night it really looked like there was a proper core it looked you know it looked like a little like a little bit like a really good cup tie where you know you set out against a better team and you you, you know it was all in the right place and uh, and if i can continue I, I you know i mean i don't want to be too overly confident but i think that um you i think there will be getting results if 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 you can keep doing that
0: no, no, I agree. If we continue at that level or near to that level, we won't get relegated because we're not going to face a team as good as Leeds every single week. Right. So I feel that if you do that, you're surely going to pick up results because you've got a shape organized. You have determination. You have a drive to go forward. And then you get some players back like Bob Varson, maybe yeah. Barrow, who knows what's happening there. You get McCleary starting kids fitness back. Maybe in the January window, you get a couple of players in. Obviously, one of the main objectives of the window is to get lots of players out, but that's yeah. <laughs> not as easy as it sounds. It's kind of, you got to find another uh, club who wants to take on David Wood, some players like that. It's kind of not so easy. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I asked on the poll, how uh, would you give Paul Clement the January window on the uh, Twitter site? And 53% said they would give him the window. Now, if I'd have probably asked that, Mm, Two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, I think it would have been about 20%. So, yeah, it's amazing the introduction of academy players, a bit of shape and a bit of spirit, because against Bristol City, we showed some spirit, against Ipswich we have, and other games against Millwall. If you start to show this, that you can, you know, you're not going to win all these games, we don't suddenly have a high-quality team, because we don't. We have a pretty poor-quality team at the moment, I think, if you compare it to the Championship-era teams. I, I don't think we're
1: that <laughs> we've had some really good teams. I mean, I was just watching some like old, I don't know why I just got on a kind of a bit of a nostalgic tip <laughs> a couple of days ago. And I ended up watching Reading, some highlights of Reading Villa when Sidwell scored two.
0: Oh, do like, <laughs> I
1: can't do it. it just, oh, like,
0: you're taking. He's going to come up in a minute. Steve Sidwell, actually. Yeah, actually, that is, yeah. Oh, what a player. I mean, people were comparing Rinomoto to um, uh, Danny Williams last night. And I thought, oh, it's when you move on to the next level, when people start <laughs> to dare, to compare you to Steve Sibwell, you know you've reached good levels because nobody would really do that yet because that's way too premature. <laughs> that's kind of, you don't want to uh, put that death wish on him. <laughs> but I thought, even though we had the last minute penalty miss, which was a signal, I still felt relatively positive about it. Like you said, Jacob, that's more of a reflection of, where we are as a season, how disorganized we've been. Hopefully Clement is finding a plan. Will he bring that into force again against Stoke? We just don't know. Cause like you were saying, Chris, sometimes he does things which are completely erratic. Yeah. He, you don't quite know where he's coming from. So I've, I hope he does, but I, I've had quite a few false dawns <laughs> him when you yeah. think there's a plan building, oh, like you're saying in the Derby game first game of the season that was you thought oh that's pretty good and then it just disappeared completely yes. <laughs> so no so I asked after the match what you thought of it via EPR 3 and uh, as always uh, fine margins has come up uh, repeatedly uh, people still wanted to change the manager and um, uh, hopes uh, raise dash from uh, roll blue 86 uh, Gunter, scapegoat again. Um, I don't think he played that great, to be honest, last night. Layoff McNulty for Andy REFC. And um, uh, Loder was class. I don't think he was that great, but he was okay from Ollie Oxford. Oxford, sorry, giving you a terrible name. Can't call you Oxford. <laughs> <something like that. laughs> wow, I do apologise to, to, your, to you and to your parents oh. and your whole heritage line. <laughs> And uh, I think Dadros sums it up, best of all, a proper away performance, which it basically was. Mm. I felt that we um, uh, played really well. And I think that was, uh, yeah, optimistic. So
1: it's pretty, it's pretty difficult to, I think, you know, if he keeps that kind of away structure, I think that's a good, you know, but you have to find a, a good home structure that works yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, come yeah.
0: on. Yeah. That is the problem. Because if we play like that at home... That's gonna. Could we play like that against Stoke on Saturday? I, I don't know. I kind of tempted, and I'm in between, because if we, I feel like we're more likely to get result if we play in that style, but I think it's going to create negativity and issues with the crowd. The crowd at Miedzyzyski Stadium get very edgy very quickly. And you quite often get sarcastic, uh, cheering and booing. And just for the first minute, you see it quite often. You know, that's a build-up of um, distrust in the team. But I, I personally would go with the same thing, I think, now. Because it worked. It worked against Leeds, almost. So, what do you think, Jacob? Stick
2: with the same structure, basically? I think to weigh in on this, um, I'm going to echo the thoughts of a tweet I saw earlier from Jeff Hallett. Um, shout out to Jeff hello Jeff um, he he tweeted um, in response to your poll saying given the emergence of Rinam and Bakuna um, do we now have the components of a conventional 4-4-2 and mm-hmm. that way we would get the best of both worlds and that we'd have an energetic midfield in Bakuna and Rinam who can track back and also bring the ball forward and yeah. we'd be able to play a wide player such as McCleary on the right and whoever else who wanted to play on the left and still be able to play a front two. And so, I mean, I think Jeff's brought up a good point. I I would be wary setting up with the four centre midfielders again at home because even though we reap the fruits of it on the road, I think at home where we've struggled to really start on the front foot anyway, we need to be more proactive. And I think a midfield two of Bakuna and Winn-Hotter would give you that. And yeah. I think also rest players such as Swift and Kelly, who maybe need a time out the limelight like, briefly, or to come off the bench and influence. Then I don't know. That's that's just my two pennies.
1: Uh, as 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 a you know a Reading fan for a, a while, like, you know, going back to four four two with class wingers. <laughs> Uh, is, you have got my vote, you
0: know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can, know can you know, can we buy both those class wingers though, Chris? <laughs> Who are you know,
1: and, Mackinac, you know and then you know, you know, Conway Convey and you know little, but no, I mean why can't couldn't they just could you play Sims and McCleary in that four for two? I don't know. I don't know could, Let's
2: see why not. Yeah, yeah,
0: you could could. I just kind of Sims. Um I do slightly worry about his physicality against the Stoke team. Okay. Plus, starting, possibly. I mean, when I say I start with the same kind of system, I would make two changes straight away. I'd bring in Blackett for Gunter, yeah. and I'd bring in McCleary for Swift. I think those are the two changes that you'd make. I, the only thing I slightly worry about Rinomoto is he was allowed to push on a bit last night because we had all those central midfielders. If we had the two wingers, yeah. I, I don't know if his game management at a level yet in a championship match against experienced yeah. players when he'd be able to quite get it right. When we played against Ipswich, he kind of got lost a little bit in the midfield. And okay. that that wasn't, he wasn't the only poor player on the pitch. He could have, like Clemens said, he could have probably made six substitutions at half time, but he was the sacrifice that was made and McCleary came on. But, I mean, I wouldn't be against seeing Rinna and Bakuna in midfield. It kind of makes logical sense. I, I can see maybe how it, it could work.
1: Maybe it makes sense in some respects to sort of, to sort of lead Rinomoto into the team, playing with those two midfielders for a while, and then when he's sort of more comfortable uh, playing in a championship, to then unleash him in that kind of four-four-two mm-hmm. formation. I mean, the reason why I like the four-four-two is that when you've got wingers, you've you've automatically got um, well, you should have anyway if you can get the ball. You've all, you've got uh, penetration, you've got penetration a bit, and I think that. Also, you know, the two if you got the two young guys up front, um, Meite and uh, Loder who have got quite good movement. I think having sort of creative quick wingers um would I think fit with two young dynamic strikers up there. Um but um I don't know. Maybe maybe we mo- couldn't couldn't work in a 442 at the moment. I am not sure yet, you know.
0: Yeah, I think with the wingers you'd get the best out of Meite, though because he thrives on crosses because he's absolutely brilliant in the air. Yeah. I don't know how Loader is yet because he didn't have any chances. But last night, that was probably one of the issues that Mate had. He was getting no crosses into the box at all, really, that he could kind of get involved with. He need, I think he needs that physicality in his game to feel like he's involved. And it kind of drifted out of him last night because there were big spells when he just wasn't getting the ball. That's not his fault, as, you know, said. But it is a... I just hope... There's a clear, coherent plan. <laughs> it's my <laughs> underlying worry. And I just, yeah, it's a worry. And a, when you see that lineup at two o'clock on Saturday, mm. um, I don't want to see five changes because I don't think there's any need.
2: Um, no. To echo that, I mean, I think we, I've said this to death on this podcast in the past, but we've had our most success historically when we've had a settled lineup. Mm. I know we've been hampered by injuries. And I know we've, had to tinker out of necessity to try and find a solution in recent weeks, but I'd like to think we're now entering a phase when the defense can settle. I, I would love Yeardim to stay on the right. I would love the the defensive two of Ilori and Moore to start every week. Definitely. You know, because I mean, O'Shea, fine, he he did a job. He's not a long term option. Whereas Moore and Ilori, to me, are. Yeah, yeah. isn't a long term option, but he's our most informed <laughs> keeper kept us in the game against Leeds and has done nothing wrong when called upon this year so he has to start so instantly the only question is who you play at left back and I think you've made a good case for Blackett so I'd love to see a defensive Blackett, Ilori, Moore, Uden and Yarko the weekend and to see that going forward Yeah,
0: that's, that's how I'd like to see it I mean just hoping we uh, see that consistency in the team. Because like you say, it's a key factor if you're going to do well, because if you keep on chopping and changing it, all the team, if, you, if you're putting in decent performances, which most of the players did last night, and they're not being rewarded by being picked, it's, uh, I don't think that's great team, you know, man management. Sorry. It's a, it's a bit of an issue.
1: I mean, what's been the problem with Bulldog? Because from what I've seen, I've seen little bits, and he's been pretty good. I don't, I, do, do, maybe does Clement doesn't quite know how to fit him into the system. I, I've seen he's sometimes been playing some of, almost as a winger a little bit at time. Yeah, but...
0: he has. I think he needs Bodvarsson alongside. He needs I think to he's playing
1: that... a two up there. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's what he needs. He needs that player like he had at Brighton for periods with Glenn Murray. He yeah. needs that kind of link, big bloke who's going to play him in a bit, link it up, hold the ball up, and then he runs through. He's not lightning. But he's, you know, he's not slow. And he's he's quite a decent player, I think. But he's suffered most because of that injury. You know, he hasn't been devastating when he's been in the team. But he's been okay. And he has scored a few important goals. I think he gets slightly unfair criticism for performances that he's put in.
2: But,
1: but do you think it's also because, like, Meite is... I mean, I like Meite because he's got so much energy and he tries so hard. But it doesn't... Sometimes you don't know... <laughs> there's not really... You can't quite see what he's doing. He's just sort of... He's such this a happens. live wire. <laughs> yeah. He's a live wire, but he doesn't really work that well with other people. He's just sort of, you know, running around. I no, you know what
0: you're saying, yeah. No, you know, he's an individual player. When he first started, he was even worse. And he would just yes. take shots all the time, wouldn't he? He was just mad. So he's kind of slowly understanding yeah. that football is actually about 11 players. <laughs> and he's got a lot better. <laughs> and he's got a lot of key goals for us this season, so I'm yeah. not going. It's not criticism, but you're right. I think he he's not quite got that part of his game yet, and I think that him and Loder must be working a lot on the training game, trying to work out that situation. So there's a bit of a link because you don't have the two best players together always have to work. I remember Noel Hunt. Noel Hunt wasn't an, an amazing player, but he always seemed to get the best out yeah. of the other player around him.
1: He's fantastic. fantastic
0: yeah he was i mean i'd love to have a, f- a fully kind of you no know, 28
2: year old Noel hunt now he'd be perfect <laughs> he and would... he'd also be perfect in bringing through the younger players such as loader the ideal person to have alongside him um i think what you've said chris about matey who has had a brilliant season so far yeah. uh, how he it's not always clear what he's trying to do or doing i think that's reflecting how clement's actually using him because he's swapped from the wing to going up top again to yeah. the wing again them being up front again. And we've had players like that in the past. Blackman was a bit like that for us. But Blackman's went on, what, a half a season of being good. <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, yeah, But there's one big difference, what I always have to make here, is Nick Blackman's attitude compared to Mete's attitude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <It's
1: just laughs> always... Mete, Mete reminds me a little bit of early Kebe. You know, a little <laughs> bit. I don't know, like when he first came through at the <laughs> end of the season, and it just sort of falling yeah. over... <laughs>
0: I think he not quite got used to legs yet, has he? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no,
0: he, he reminds me a little bit of Antonio, a uh, little bit of that kind of player, yes, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, a little bit like Antonio as well. Again, that was one thing, no one knew that Antonio would be anywhere near that good of a player. He was yes. all so.
0: Reading fans claim that they knew, but I, no, I definitely didn't,
1: no, really didn't. He was banging into people, he didn't know what he was like, you know. Um, I've got a, a bit of a question, I mean, um. I mean, one of the problems I think with Reading is that it doesn't seem like Clement sort of is improving players that much. Mm. It doesn't seem like... Well, I know obviously not be much of a plan, but I think that, you know, a couple of things. First of all, Clement doesn't seem like he's improving players that much. And secondly, uh, there hasn't been much leadership mm. very much. I mean, I know more, everyone loves more for being quite a leader, but especially in the centre of the park, there's been a kind of a... Just an absence of someone who's, like, prepared to sort of take control. Yeah. Um, but, you know, many, maybe is, uh could be that player.
0: Who knows? No, I 100% uh, agree with you there. Um, yeah. It's just, we need that player. And maybe Bakunas slightly could be uh, kind of almost the leader in that midfield. I think he's been better this season. A lot better. I mean, what do you think, Jacob, in the leadership
2: issues? I think the I think- on paper. Because we've, we've had an absent captain for most of the season. Because McShane's nowhere to be seen. Uh, either through injury or through just not being selected. Um, We don't have a CEO at the moment. (laughs) Oh, no, don't mention him. Now, we want to go through a whole podcast without mentioning him. But weirdly, weirdly, that's quite a positive, isn't it? You know, the fact that he's gone and, you know, we don't know who's leading the ship at the moment, but that's seen as a good thing. But that's another so-called leader that's gone. And Clement, regardless of what you think of him as a man, and I've always been a fan of how handed he is. Um, His best traits seem to stem from the fact that he's a coach and not a manager. He's always a coaching record when he's the second fiddle to an actual manager. So he's maybe not as much of a leader as another manager would be. And then around the pitch as well, you see, we we are soft touches, really. Well, we've shown the, the latter half of last season and this season. So that is still something that we need to address. And I would love to see us against though just grab the game by the scruff of the neck and to prove all three of us wrong and to say that some of them do have leadership qualities or proactive qualities. I would love to see that at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, one thing I was sorry because I just um, you
0: go, Chris. Yeah.
1: No, we're going to say I think McCleary, to an extent has the potential to be uh, definitely uh, uh, to use an American term, an offensive leader. You know, an attacking leader. (laughs) No.
0: You know, he, the quarterback.
1: It's <laughs> he's no, got that potential of just properly getting the ball and just you know, you know, going for it and you know taking that kind of um, the pressure on his back. Um, like and you know, kid, he's thirty two. How it's thirty one, thirty two now, I think. 32. So he's sort of getting up there. Um, I thought Bod He's not really a leader, but I think Bod There's something about him that kind of you <laughs> you sort of trust him. There's a kind of a a trusted element there and there's been too much kind of in and outness of everything where there's not been that kind of clear vision um but um sorry what were you going to say paul i didn't mean to interrupt before
0: (laughs) no that's fine that's fine it's the technology of skype isn't it It's hard not to (laughs) you probably said something a lot better as well chris
1: (laughs) i don't know i I don't you know
0: (laughs) no it's a real um the leadership thing is obviously there and it's an ongoing issue i if I was to use one word to sum up Reading as a team, it's nice. And he just needs to be more nasty. We need the Stephen Hunts in there, those kind of players with those attitudes, as the away team absolutely despised and hated him, gave him abuse all the way through the game. And that is because he got in their faces and annoyed them and affected the game. <laughs> so, but we don't have that one player. And I'm not going to talk about the bloke who left, the chief executive, because I'm sick to death of talking about him. (laughs) And he's gone. But it does stem down, And you're right, Jacob. I agree that he's Paul Clement doesn't have that leadership quality at the moment. But maybe he's trying to create his own identity at Reading by if he sticks to this Mm -hmm. and it starts to work. And the team has shown some character in the last couple of months, I would say. They're not falling apart all the time. So that is a key factor. They've gone behind in games. They haven't gone on to win them, but they haven't always lost them. Mm. So that is something that was a real issue. In, in going back to Yap's Dam, that is. They just kept on going behind, and then it would be 2 3 nil, and it would be over quite quickly, and you knew how it was going to pan out. Well, but that,
1: that happens sometimes when in the, you know, coming third season as well. Yeah, so yeah
0: like... totally, totally it did. Yeah. Away from home, It was that was such a bizarre season. That really was, yeah, yeah really strange. But moving on to the Stoke game on uh, Saturday, uh, the last time that we beat Stoke in a league match was 2006 uh, on the 17th of April, and Steve Sibwell scored a goal in that game. Kevin Dahl and the living legend, that is John Halls, in a 3-1 match. Now, if anyone can remember that match well, under to them, because I have no memory of that match. And it was on Easter Monday.
1: It was the championship season. Yeah,
0: yeah. Championship season. season when it may have been mentioned we got 106 points. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They come up at some point. Yeah.
1: I, 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 bore, I bore all my friends because I always say that we had 69 points on <laughs> Boxing Day. Episode, <laughs> I got it. We what a season. But anyway. Yeah.
0: I bore my girlfriend to death with these stories, Chris. done <laughs> every day. I mentioned 106. It's kind of that number's banned in our household. <laughs> it's kind of nice. No, it is amazing. You might as well enjoy it because we're dreading, you know, it's not going to come up that often. But yeah, that's quite a while, but we've hardly played them. The last time we played them, Mariapa scored in 2013. Wow. And we lost 2 1. Yeah. yeah. Maps,
2: the living that's ledge. The thing <laughs> about <laughs> I know we're going off on a tangent and we're going to be talking about Stoke, but what I love about Marriott is that he spent his entire career at Watford before coming to us for a year, was our best defender out of a bad bunch in the Premier League mm. and then went straight back to Watford again. <laughs> yeah. So. Or was he, Br- so. no, he was briefly at Crystal Palace, wasn't he? Oh, he just, was, there. yes. yes now- it was, yeah, yeah, because Kebe went there as well at the same it time. Was Kirby, exactly. It was, yeah. was, was Kebe,
1: exactly. Yeah. I just yeah. love
2: fact that he basically had like a glorified loan spell at it, didn't he <laughs> you know it felt like Mario was on loan because he came straight in at the beginning of the season mm. and then straight out again at the end of the season it's like oh cheers thanks maps. we are the club that likes on
0: giving and at that point we had Anton Zingarovic and he was a man who believed in giving out money <laughs> he was a big fan of that
1: and then, then he gave up uh, yeah he,
0: uh, yeah where the money came from didn't matter but you just give it out anyway <laughs> you know I, I,
1: I remember that 2-1 game because that was just when we were were having a pretty good run in the championship and we I think we drew with Chelsea and you know um, uh, Lafondra was scoring all those goals yes. and it looked great and we we're out of the relegation zone and then we lost that Stoke game mm. and then basically our form just went yeah, down I again
0: as well and you're right that was definitely linked into that period And, yeah, after that, it was just uh, an absolute collapse. We weren't
1: very good. We weren't very Uh, good.
0: No, we were awful as well. So, it's not really a surprise. I think we ended up with 28 points that season. And I was amazed we got that many. So, no, we... Yeah. And McDermott. And, uh, yeah, if we sat Paul Clement, people would want McDermott back. It's inevitable. (laughs) Just the way it works, isn't it? I definitely don't think we should. But Stoke's going to be a really hard game. I can't see... We can win the game. I definitely think we can if we play with the right spirit that like we showed against Leeds. But Stoke are a hard team to beat and seem to find a little bit of form. I think they're four games unbeaten. They're 13th in the table as we speak. And obviously, they're still playing tonight. So I think they can go up to 10th. So it's, it's going to be a tough match. But if we, it's one of those games that's not impossible to win. And if we were to win it it's going to be a big confidence boost. And we need that one match that gives a little bit of belief. We need to be a team that we think probably that's not likely to happen. We need that game. It's just, do you think it's going to happen, Jacob? Uh,
2: No. Uh, However, (laughs) however, um, I I feel like I've been optimistic enough throughout the recording of this podcast that it wouldn't be outside the realms of possibility if we did something a bit nuts and maybe scraped a 2-1 win. I don't think we're going to keep a clean sheet. No. Um, But there have been... There have been glimpses of improvement on the home front, the literal home front, um, in recent weeks. Because for ages we were bemoaning how Fortress Medeski just had become like this real monkey on our shoulder in that we just could not buy a result at home for love nor money. And at the beginning of the season, our best results were coming away from home. But now... What what is it? We've had a couple of we had a couple of wins on the bounce on a Saturday at home, didn't we?
0: Yes. Well, no. We kind of we got a two all with Ipswich, but we've been in a much better run. We beat Bristol City. We've beaten Millwall as well. So yeah. we've actually got a few wins, which makes life so much easier. We have been to other ones, but you know they've gone out of the top of my head now, so that's a bit annoying. But it's kind of yeah. The the problem with winning at home is gone. I, I don't think we need to worry about that. We beat a whole city as well, three 0 they're atrocious, they were that day. Absolutely atrocious.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I think we can do it. What do you think, Chris? Do you think there's any chance of a win? Um,
1: I haven't watched much of Stoke this year. Uh, watched a bit last year and they were awful in the Prem. Uh, they've got a couple of decent players. I'm just looking at they've got Tom. Tom Ince is there and um, uh, a couple of other decent players who, you know, pretty good. But I think that, you know, the 12th, in the table, or 13th, they can go, I don't know, they can't, they can't even go above 13th, even if they win tonight. Mm-hmm. So, um you know, they're mid-table, you know, and Reading are at home, and, uh, you know, we're sort of trying to go a bit high, you know, we've been on a relatively decent, sort of mid-table-y kind of run since we beat Preston, so I can't see, you know, that's these are the games you've got to win. Uh, you know, if you can get, if you can win every, every now, obviously, if you win every home game and you draw every away game, you, you go up. But uh, if a if you're in Reading's situation, <laughs> if you draw every away game and you win every other home game, we'll be all right, basically. Yeah. We'll, we'll come mid-table, so, you know.
0: Yeah, we probably need 10 more wins, don't we? Yeah. That's probably what we're looking at. I mean, we got 16, or is it 17 points now? 17, it's, yeah. 17, so 47 might be enough. It, in the last few years, it's kind of been enough to stay up. You, you obviously want to hit that 50 points, but at 10 might be enough. And you know, You've got to hope that if we can win six or seven at home, out of the ones that we got left, you kind of don't need to do that much away from home. And then towards the end of the season, you will be playing teams that the season's dead for them. And ours, I'd be amazed if ours is dead, if ours is not dead, and we're going into the last game. I think we're going to be in that last game scenario again. I can't see anything
2: else, but I yeah. <laughs> just can't. I hope it, I'm right. It would be, uh, whilst you say that we've got that little run of beatable teams, hopefully, Touchwood to come at the end of the season, Stoke would be a nice one to win, statement by the obvious, this Saturday. Because they're a relegated team from the Prem, but they're beatable. Because as you've said, Chris, the mid-table, they struggle to adapt back to life in the second tier. If we can beat them, we'd send out a bit of a statement to other teams saying, well, actually, Reading might be having a mini resurgence. Yeah. And I think it would also be a good way for us to get over the disappointment of Leeds, because we can then take the positives from it and know that we've made up for it at the weekend. Yeah, so... you combine them two
0: together, and it's even better, isn't it? Because you'd <laughs> say, OK, that, we actually continued to do something now.
2: Yeah be a blooming excellent result if we can sneak past. I don't think we're going to Tompkins 3-0. No. From,
1: but no. <laughs> one thing I quite liked about last night uh, was that, I don't know if it was the, the commentators saying it, you know, just playing it up, but they were talking a lot about Bielsa. And Bielsa looked generally worried by the way that we were playing and also impressed with us. And, you know, it's just great to have someone like Bielsa in the championship. It's just such a fantastic thing. You know, 10 years ago that sort of thing would never have happened, you know, and uh, but he did look, first of all, he looked quite impressed uh, with the way that Reading were playing uh, but the second thing I wanted to say is I think that um, the best, you know as a, as, a, as Reading fans, the, the, the best approach is, you know, win next game as, was it, is it Brian McDermott oh, and yeah, Steve Popple yeah. reminded, you know, so, you know, we can look at winning 10 games but I think the idea is just to you know, focus on this one and yeah, totally. to win and see what happens, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, take the confidence. We can all uh, hope for a win. That's all we can do as Reading fans, isn't it? We've got to have a little bit of hope and maybe they've restored a tiny bit of faith in our, uh, I don't know, madness of the team that we uh, love for some crazy reason. <laughs> okay, then, well, uh, thanks a lot for uh listening and uh, we will be back uh, next week. Cheers.